Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. Each week, we navigate the most important changes that affect pharmacotherapy. Plus, you can earn pharmacy and medicine CE credit. We know you're busy, so let us bring the learning to you. Click on Claim CE Credit in the show notes below. Now let's welcome your host, Jeff Wall, as he discusses this week's clinical practice game changers. Hello and welcome to Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University. Welcome to the show. Uh, This is the show where we try to give uh, practitioners of all stripes, whether they be pharmacists, whether they be physicians, whether they be uh, mid-level practitioners, whether they be nurses, anybody who wants to listen, basically. Uh, We try to give you the latest evidence-based pharmacotherapy information. Um, We try to pick things that are are current. We try to pick things that are are high level and are really going to impact the practice of the vast majority of, of, of uh, clinicians out there. So thank you for listening uh, uh, to our show. If you're the first time listener, welcome. Long time listener, thanks for coming back to us. Um, as always, we ask that if you like what you hear, please go to where you get your podcast, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, but most importantly, head over to our producer, ceimpact.com. Uh, they provide a wide variety of CE programs. In fact, uh, today, I believe they have a, uh, a live uh, immunization certification program going on, which is kind of nice. Um, so again, you know, all sorts of programs. Um, programs they've got but one is of course for what you're listening to now and if you just listen to us sign up for their program answer a few easy ce questions but a bing but a bang you have some uh, ce in your pocket so that's kind of nice to have so today we are going to be talking about a brand new hot off the the press paper at least as of this this uh, recording um that uh occurred in uh that was published just this week in the lancet called the racing study and so uh this is a study that looks at the long-term efficacy and safety of moderate intensity statins uh with zetamib which I am now going to call Zetia from this point on. There's a couple of drugs out there that uh, maybe I'm just an old man, that no matter how many times I try to practice the generic name, I just can't get it right. And one of them is Zetia, the other one's Kepra. <laughs> I don't know, I don't hardly anybody who, who uh, says the generic name Kepra on a regular basis. So uh, from, from this point on, we're gonna kind of break the rules a little bit and just say Zetia for the rest of the for rest of this talks, but that's what we are talking about. And so the combination of that with, uh, with uh, moderate intensity statins versus high intensity statin monotherapy in patients with atherosclerosis cardiovascular disease, and that's the racing study, again, published this week in The Lancet. So why would we pick this study? I mean, again, everybody is well aware of these drugs have been out for now, you know, 30 plus years, I think, for, for the treatment of, of high cholesterol. We know that, you know, the pendulum definitely swung the other way as far as uh, treatment of dyslipidemia in patients uh, for secondary prevention, so patients with known cardiovascular disease. And of course, statins um, are have been categorically, unequivocally been shown to improve cardiovascular outcomes patients who have known uh, vascular atherosclerotic disease. And, and I, there's just no denying that. And, and that's why they're the, the cornerstone of therapy. And we know that uh, uh, higher doses seem to give you better outcomes. Um, data from the Jupiter study, data from the A to Z study, you know, clean back in the early 2000s, late 1990s, really kind of showed that, that, that the higher the doses that and the patients can tolerate, usually the better. Um, but of course, not everybody can tolerate high-dose statins, right? They, we, we, have, we have muscle-associated, statin-associated muscle symptoms, 
uh, SAMs. We have all sorts of other things that can go on as well. And of course, you get most of the bang for your buck in lowering LDL at the lower to middle doses of statin. So going up on the dose of statin will give you some uh, decrease in LDL, but, but won't often, sometimes not get you to target, which of course is the other big thing that's swung in the pendulum in the last five years is, you know, you know, when I first came out of school, you know, we were really targeted on focusing on LDL targets and you wanted to make sure LDL target was, was set. And then we had this kind of, you know, inner period where, you know, we didn't really care that much about LDLs. It was really the statin that, that made the benefit. And now the pendulum's swinging the other way, I think largely because of studies, uh, large database studies and uh, studies that looked at, at the PCSK9 drugs that basically found that, no, actually the lower is probably better. So now here we are again with the uh, guidelines basically saying that at a minimum, uh, patients with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease should have a LDL less than 70. And in fact, the European guidelines actually argue even lower, even 55. And so doing that is going to be challenging in a lot of patients with, with hydostatin. So even though these drugs are way old, um, you can argue this is a pretty timely study because it does take a look at, at, at a common clinical problem that I think a lot of clinicians have, which is I have a patient who has known atherosclerotic disease. I know they should be on a statin, but I can't seem to get their LDL to goal. Can we add Zeti and will that help? Now, of course, Zeti has been around for a long time, over 20 years. I'll be honest with you, I've always been a bit of a Zeti and nihilist um, in, in my practice. I've always thought that, you know, yeah, there was always data that showed that it lowered the numbers that you'd get a, you know, a 10 to 20 point drop in your LDL. But, you know, up until the Improve It study came out, which was relatively late in the game, um, there really wasn't a lot of data showing that it actually did what we want these drugs to do, which is decrease the risk of cardiovascular events. Improve It kind of changed the, the, the calculus on that a little bit. But even that wasn't a great uh, outcome, right? I mean, they uh, when they looked at the combination of adding Zetia to statin therapy, they found, yes, that the combination did, in fact, have a statistically significant decrease in cardiovascular events, but it's only to a nominal degree. And in fact, the primary outcome was only changed by about 1.8%. So, um, um, you know, again, yes, the, yes, there, there was a, a decrease, but it wasn't like, wow, I can't believe how efficacious Zetia is in, in combination with, with, with statin. So we have that study, the IMPROVE-IT study, um, and that study was, was relatively short term. And we really don't have any good randomized con, uh, clinical trials that look at the long-term clinical outcomes, both safety and efficacy of the moderate dose statin and Zetia versus high-dose statin in patients with established atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, and that's where the racing study kind of comes into play, again, published in this week's Lancet, and we'll have a, a link to that to the study in our show notes. So the trial was an investigator-initiated multicenter randomized open-label study. It was done in South Korea, as I mentioned before, and again, that might be something that we talk about in its external validity here in just a second. Uh, they wanted to look at patients with documented ASCVD, and, and they go into some detail, meaning what's the definition of that, and achievement of LDL concentrations uh, less than 70 were enrolled. Documented ASCVD was defined as the presence or occurrence of a previous MI or acute coronary syndrome, a history of cardiovascular revascularization or other arterial revascularization, so even peripheral arterial disease would count, ischemic stroke, or peripheral artery disease. In addition, they had to be aged 19 to 80 years old. Um, they had to, um, and then exclusion criteria included active liver disease, uh, allergy, of course, a solid organ transplant recipient, history of average drug reaction to any of the drugs we were talking about, pregnant women, of course, and uh, life expectancy less than three years. And what they did in the study is pretty straightforward. It was an open label study because it'd be uh, the way they had the study set up, it'd be very difficult to blind it. And they uh, randomized eligible patients in a one-to-one -one manner to receive either Z and resuvastatin 10, which is a moderate intensity statin dose, so Zetia and, and resuvastatin 10, 
or high intensity statin monotherapy with, with stuvastatin 20 milligrams. And so uh, again, you could argue, is that still kind of low? I have clinicians who feel that resuvastatin 40 or uh, torvastatin 80 is really what you should be targeting in patients with known atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. And there is clinical trial data to back that thought up. And so that is one of the possible uh, issues with the study. Uh, anyway, in the study, they did a standard web uh, response premuted based uh, randomization to each patient. They were stratified by patients who had LDL concentrations of less than 100 at baseline or over 100 baseline in the presence of diabetes at baseline. Here's why the study had to be open label because um, they wanted to target LDLs. And so they said that after they had started the, the medic medication, the up titration or down titration of the doses of both groups was basically at the patient's own physician's discretion. So there's no way they could have blinded the study to do that, basically. So you could argue that's, that's going to be another issue with the paper. And I agree. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, patients were scheduled for follow-up uh, in intervals at two and six months, and then every year thereafter, they did, as you might imagine, a, a litany of labs. They, they asked about uh, SAM, statin-associated muscle symptoms, and of course, they checked their serum cholesterols as well. Primary outcome was your standard MACE outcome, so major adverse cardiac events outcomes, including cardiovascular death, major cardiovascular events, or non-fatal stroke within three years, and it was a three-year study. Uh, they included major cardiovascular events uh, to be either coronary or peripheral revascularization or hospitalization for any cardiovascular uh, event, basically. Um, their secondary outpoints were uh, looking at uh, mostly the, the lab values. They wanted to look at patients who had LDL cholesterols of less than 70 at one and two and three years. Um, they looked at the individual components of the primary outcome, as you might imagine. So that's pretty common in these cardiovascular studies. They also uh, did, in a post hoc analysis, look at patients who got to an LDL cholesterol of less than 55. Uh, the study was already ongoing when the European guidelines came up with their, their new guidelines for this super low LDL in patients. So they did that as, an, as, as a post hoc analysis. I was impressed they did do a good safety analysis. And, and again, that's going to be one of the key issues in a paper like this is, okay, that's great, but can people tolerate the medication? And they looked at any uh, nuance at diabetes, because there's always been this bad air, I suppose, if you want to put it, that surrounds statins, that stat, you know, there's some retrospective studies that suggested that being on statins is associated with an increased risk of developing diabetes. I think the data is not very good on that, but there are other believers in that. Um, Muscle-related, hepatic-related, or gallbladder-related adverse effects. So as far as the statistics, this was a non-inferiority study. So they weren't trying to show that Zetia and, and moderate-intensity statins were better than high-intensity statins. It's just that they weren't inferior to them in the, in the outcomes of cardiovascular disease. And so um, because of that, they looked at the improvement study and again found that there was this kind of 2% difference in the primary outcome um, uh, in, in that. And so they said, well, you know, that's about a 20% relative risk reduction. So we're, we're going to go slightly higher than that in our inferiority study uh, because we're using uh, resubastatin, which is a more potent statin than what they used in the improved study, which was a torvastatin, or no, they used simvastatin, excuse me, they used simvastatin in, 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 in the improved study. So they basically assumed that in this non-inferiority study that anything up to a 7.2 relative risk increase increase um, of the primary outcome between Zetia and moderate intensity statins and high intensity statins would be clinically not different. Now, again, you could argue, you know, they, you know, they, is that really not a difference? But, but that was what the barrier, the, the boundaries they used for their non-inferiority range. And so on the basis of that, they thought they would need about uh, 3,700 patients in the study total and counting, considering loss to follow-up to find, prove their the hypothesis. Other than that, it was a standard non-inferiority study. So again, they, they wanted to make sure that they didn't uh, 
across the uh, relative risk increase of 7.2% on either way. And uh, they used a one-sided t-test, which again is, 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 is appropriate for non-inferiority sets because you really only care about whether it's worse than, not, not whether then it's better than basically. Looking at the, at the baseline characteristics, um, this is again, one other area where you could argue external validity is gonna be an issue. Average age was 64, majority was 75. Here's a kicker, the mean body mass index between the two was only 25. And again, that's going to be, I think, uh, especially in Western populations in the United States and, and maybe Europe, a serious thing to consider. Because again, we are talking about lipid lowering and, and things along those lines. Uh, about 40% of them had had a prior myocardial infarction um, and about 60% of it had some sort of a percutaneous coronary intervention. So the vast majority of these patients were in the study because of cardiovascular disease, not because of stroke or peripheral arterial disease. About 10% in each arm had chronic kidney disease. And as far as other diseases, about a third had diabetes in both about 16% were smokers in both. And then here's another issue with, with the potentials for the study is, of course, many of these patients were on medications for dyslipidemia before they were randomized, right? And fully, uh, almost 40% of patients in both arms were already on a high-intensity statin when they were enrolled in the study. So now again, this is a long-term study. So you could say, well, that probably doesn't matter because we're looking at three years. And so if they got switched off of, you know, a high intensity statin to a medium intensity statin with, with Zetia, you know, because we're looking downstream so long, maybe it doesn't make that big of a difference. But it is worth noting, these patients weren't new to lipid lowering therapy. Almost all of them, in fact, about 85% of them were on some sort of statin. In fact, only 8% of patients were on no lipid lowering therapy at all. And here's the other thing is that the number of patients who already had LDL cholesterols of less than 70 was 30%. So again, that's not something you're probably likely to see in other populations that already these patients, about a third of them had LDLs of, of, of less than 70, even before going into the study. So in about a year and a half, they randomized about 3,700 patients with documented ASCVD, 1,894 randomized to receive combination therapy, so the statin and or medium intensity statin and Zetia, and uh, 1,886 were uh, randomized to receive uh, the Resuvastatin 20. So we're talking about the racing study published uh, as of this recording this week in the Lancet, looking at combination of Zetia and Resuvastatin 10 versus Resuvastatin 20 in cardiovascular outcomes in a, in a South Korean population, basically. Basically. So what did they find in the study? Well, that primary outcome, again, of major adverse cardiac events occurred in 9.1% of patients on the combination therapy and 9.9% of patients on the high-intensity statin therapy. So numerically, yes, there was a 0.8% difference <laughs> between, between the two, um, and that did meet the criteria for non-inferiority based on their study. So they, they, they did find that the, the upper-sided one limit of the difference was 1.13%, which met, met their non-inferiority criteria of 2%, so it was below the 2%, and in fact, actually favored the uh, combination group compared to the high-dose cardiovascular group. Cardiovascular death occurred in, in eight patients in the combination therapy group and six patients in the high-intensity statin groups. So there was no difference there. And then just major cardiovascular events was observed in 8.1% of patients in the combination group and 8.9% of patients in the high intensity statin group. So that kind of swung the other way with that one, basically. So basically, the bottom line was the primary outcome analysis either showed no difference or met the criteria for non-inferiority fairly easily. And, and when they took a look at years and, and the number of patients who had LDL concentrations of uh, less than 70, interestingly, um, at every year time point, and I wouldn't have expected this, um, at every year time point, more patients in the moderate intensity statin with Zetia 
arm uh, actually had LDL concentrations of less than 70 compared to high intensity statin. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So uh, for example, at year three, they had uh, 72% of patients in the combination arm had an LDL less than 70 compared to only 58% of patients who had an LDL less than, than 70 in the high intensity statin monotherapy arm. And that was actually statistically significant that, that favored that. So um, numerically, it seemed that this combination was more effective than a high intensity statin. And again, that's not really what other studies have shown. Um, I, again, improve it, you know, didn't really find that as well. So that is kind of worth noting that uh, this is kind of a kind of a unique thing in, in, in as far as the outcomes of this study. And then we get to safety. And again, um, you know, keep in mind, this was an open label study. And we know for a fact that the nocebo effect of statin associated muscle symptoms is a very real thing that when patients are told that you're likely to have this side effect with the statins, that many of them will in fact have it. And if you actually just sit down and talk to them about it and say, you know, yeah, this can occur, but most people tolerate it fine. And, and you're able to, you know, uh, you, you should do fine with it and it should go away and all this other stuff um, that that nocebo effect is lessened and, and far few patients, fewer patients actually end up with muscle symptoms bad enough, they have to discontinue or change statin therapy. So that's worth noting. And even given all that, it's kind of surprising that about uh, twice the number of patients in the high intensity statin monotherapy arm had to discontinue the drug compared to about 5% of patients, it was about 8% of patients in the high intensity statin monotherapy arm had to discontinue therapy because of side effects compared to about 4.8% in the moderate intensity statin with Zetia combination therapy. The biggest offenders, as you might imagine, were weakness and dizziness, um, uh, stomach problems, sometimes we forget about the gastrointestinal problems. A lot of people had uh, an itching sensation, which I thought was interesting. And then of course, myalgias was the big one with uh, 22 patients in the, in the high intensity statin group having uh, muscle uh, symptoms uh, bad enough to have to stop the drug compared to only five, actually, or I'm sorry, seven in the uh, moderate intensity in Zeti arm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, no other differences. There was no difference, thank goodness, in, in new onset diabetes. Uh, hopefully this will help put a nail on the coffin of statins cause diabetes because there's definitely people out there who, who think that's true. So so basically what the, what the authors found was that among patients with documented ASCVD who are at very high risk of cardiovascular disease, moderate intensity statin with Zeti accommodation therapy was not inferior to high intensity statin monotherapy for this three-year composite of cardiovascular death, major cardiovascular events, non-fatal stroke. And in fact, they had a higher proportion of patients who received their LDL uh, a concentration of less than 70. They also found in the post-hoc analysis that more patients had an LDL concentration of less than 55 as well in this combination therapy. And they found, again, a lower prevalence of or discontinuation uh, caused by intolerance. So they note several study limitations. I was, I was pleased to note that they, they noted that, you know, even though they had to do an open label study, that this was probably going to skew the safety issues of, of the study. Uh, they do talk about the nocebo effect of the statins. And, and, and so I was glad to see that. Uh, they note that an independent clinical endpoint committee that was masked all therapy assignments adjudicated all clinical events. So again, while they didn't look at statin related muscle therapy, even though it was an open label study, there was a blinded group that looked at the, the major outcomes of death, MI stroke, or revascularization and stuff like that. Um, they did have a lower than anticipated event rate. Um, that's not uncommon in cardiovascular studies, but they still found that, that they, they, they met the, the um, definition of non-inferiority in their study. Um, so they, they thought that as well. Uh, so they basically felt like the authors felt like it was a good study, that it, uh, patients who have uh, documented ASCVD, moderate intensity statin with Zetia therapy seems to be non-inferior to high intensity statin monotherapy at, at three years, basically. And that 
and more people had an LDL of less than 70. What do I think about the study? Again, I think it was a fairly well done uh, randomized control trial. Um, I think that they the non-inferiority made sense. I mean, you know, the statistics all made sense and, and the outcomes made sense. I guess my concerns with the study are, are the things I've alluded to, I think, earlier in, in the podcast that one, again, we're talking about a, a South Korean population um, that's going to just, bottom, you know, going to have different um, comorbidities and especially weight. You know, again, I, I in this population in the U.S., my guess is you would not see a, uh, a mean body mass index of only 25. And so um, I think that's that's a certainly something, as I mentioned before, uh, there are uh, advocates of um, statin therapy who believe that we really should be using, you know, the doses of the statins, you uh, high intensity statins used in the studies that kind of found big outcomes. And so again, that's really the uh, tortostatin 80 or rosuvastatin 40. And they didn't use that. They Their definitions of moderate and high intensity uh, were what I would consider that because that, you know, I would say that too, but I've, I know several physicians, even in, in the area that I work, who really feel that, no, you should really be pushing the dose higher in patients with secondary prevention unless they have side effects, basically. And then the third piece, again, you know, talking about the, the open label thing, my guess is, is that the, the the uh, safety outcomes they found that the combination of moderate intensity statin and Zeti was so much better tolerated than high intensity statin, I think uh, maybe exaggerated some because of the open label nature and because of the nocebo effect. Um, also, I think pharmacogenomics uh, may play a role here. Um, again, your, many of these drugs are metabolized through the cytochrome P450 system. Different populations have different alleles and, and different uh, genotypes of, of those that may alter the kinetics of some, of some of these drugs that may predispose people to these side effects. Again, we don't know that for sure in this population, but that's something to think about as well. So, you know, I, again, I'm not ready to rush out and, you know, switch everybody that I know on who's on high intensity statin to moderate intensity statin. But I think that this does give us some good data that suggests that if someone has bad muscle symptoms with high dose statins, and they're like, I just can't tolerate this, um, and they have known atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, I think it is reasonable to back them down to moderate intensity statin, see if they tolerate that better. And if they're not getting to goal in their LDL to go ahead and add Zeti, I think that's certainly reasonable. Now, you know, of course, with the PS, uh, PCSK9 drugs and some of the other new drugs that dramatically lower, and, and I do mean dramatically lower LDL, uh, you know, in, in patients where you often get LDLs below 30 in these patients, you know, um, uh, those are, of course, options in these patients as well. But as we all know that most of them are injectable, and of course, there are outrageously expensive and, and going to be very difficult for insurance companies to cover. So Zeti is not going anywhere anytime soon. And I would argue that this is probably one of the, some of the best data we have to date suggesting that this drug, which again, I've always been a bit of a nihilist about using, seems to give you an important uh, a tool in patients to, again, primarily just don't tolerate the medication uh, of high dose statins without side effects. So that's it for this week of, of Game Changers. Again, thanks for listening. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, head over to CE impact. Help us keep the lights on by considering subscribing to us or some other um, program they have over there. We will see you next week. But until then, remember, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening then. Claim your CE credit by clicking on the link in the show notes. And check out CE Impact's other education at ceimpact.com, where we curate the most important information in pharmacy and medicine to deliver straight to you. Join today to connect your learning to practice.